0: the Lord kind of switched things up. I had the rest of Acts 13 all studied out and ready to, to preach this morning. And uh, I kind of went into uh, Sunday with a little bit unsettledness. If that's really what the Lord wanted to do, I can't really explain it other than that. There was this hesitancy of like, I'm not sure what the Lord wants to really focus, wants me to focus on his word and what he wants me to say. Maybe there's something different. And I sent out a, a message to the elders last night saying can you guys pray you know i i just have i need wisdom on what the lord wants to do and kind of went in all the way up to right before our our corporate prayer time in the prayer room this morning and uh thinking i was just going to preach um through the rest of the chapter and i had this private prayer time with the lord and right away i felt like the lord's like no you're going to focus on this principle in here of continuing in the grace of god that's actually in this section we're in but he's like, I just want you to focus on this. This is what people need to hear today. This is what you need to hear today. And so it was like, all right, cool. Just kind of let everyone know this. We're going to kind of go into it loosely. This is what the Lord wants to share and confident that there's people that need to hear this. And just hearing those songs one after another that put, the Lord put on Craig's heart that I didn't tell him to sing, but that just this reoccurring theme of the grace of God, the grace of God, just further conformed to me that that's, The word of the lord for this morning so let me just give you some background just on you know this this idea of the grace of god and personally how the lord really saved me through this because this is one of the main things he used to reveal himself to me that freed me from this bondage of trying to find approval in people or with other people which if you guys have had any experience with with that which i'm sure you have to some extent It's a tiring thing because no matter what you do or how good you are to other people or or what you do to impress them, you're never going to make everyone happy. You're never going to get that appreciation you think you deserve, that acknowledgement. And so it's just this endless cycle of striving. And when I was younger, I didn't know this at the time. This is one of the things the Lord used to draw me to him, but I I spent the first 20 years of my life. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't know the Lord. And um, my father... Uh, left our family when I was around 10 years old and um, kind of kept touch for maybe a couple months. And after that, we never saw him again. And um, one of the things that kind of, the negative consequences of that in my life, some of you guys have heard my testimony before, so bear with me, but for those that haven't, um, I grew up with this, this wanting to be accepted, wanting to be loved, wanting to be popular with people, like I said, I didn't know this at the time, but, you know, I, I, I had this this sense of not being wanted because of that. that came out of that, my father leaving me. And so what that looked like in my life was wanting, as I've grown up through middle school and high school, I got to be the most popular guy. I got to be the best at sports. I got to be the best at academics. I've got to, you know you know, hang out with the most popular people. I've just, I've got to be liked. I've got to do well. Everyone's got to see that and, and, and they'll like me for it and they'll accept me for it. And even though on the outside, I would act like, you know, oh yeah, I'm I'm the jock and I'm cool and everyone likes me and I'm dating all the popular girls, acting like I have it all together. On the inside, I was just tormented constantly by fear, being fearful of what everyone thought whether they were happy with me or not. And it it really just made my younger years really full of just endless striving and discouragement and worry and fear of man. And and just, it really wasn't a good time. And that led to, you know, uh, drugs and, and alcohol to cover up those feelings. And so later on in college, when somebody introduced me to Jesus... This idea of God, our creator, just accepting me as I am, not having to do anything to win his approval, but just him because of his son doing everything that needed to be done so I could be made right with him, paying the price for my sins in full on that cross, him being willing to give his life so that all I have to do is is come to him as I am and he accept me and love me just as i am that really resonated with me it was exactly what i needed it was exactly what i was looking for and i couldn't find in any person or anything in this world and so in faith i believed and i went to jesus and he changed my life and from that point on i had somebody the really the only one that mattered that accepted me no matter what no matter what, I never have to worry about that. Surely the enemy wants me to worry about that. Surely my flesh gets in the way of that. But I don't have to worry about it. If I truly believe and know what he says, has said to me in his word. He loves me as I am now. He loves me too much to leave me that way, but he loves me as I am. And in this next section of scripture in Acts 13, I'm just going to read the first um, or the the next couple verses. We're, we left off in verse 41, Acts 13. I'm going to read 42 and 43 because there's a principle that's really important that we as believers understand. It says in verse 42, remember, this is Paul and Barnabas had just got done preaching to the, the Jews and the Gentiles and kind of laying out the gospel. And now we're seeing how they respond to it. Okay. And it says in verse 42, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. So after hearing this this great news, the greatest news they could ever hear, Jesus died for your sins. Yes, you're not perfect, but here's the thing. Nothing you could do in your own power could ever you know, earn your way to God. There's no way you could be perfect in your own power, but God loved you so much. He was willing to send his one and only perfect son who lived a perfect life, who died on that cross because that was the necessary penalty to be paid so your sins could be forgiven, paid in full. And if you acknowledge your need for him to save you from your sins, he will come into your life. He will change it. He will regenerate you, release you from being in bondage to your flesh and only being able to do wrong and he will empower you to do right and experience the blessedness that comes with that this is the good news if you choose to believe and receive this god will come into your life you will be restored with him you will be right with him so they hear this good news and and many of them are captivated by it and they follow them wanting to learn more and i think it's pretty safe to say that many of these people probably believe because number one they wanted to know more. I think that's always a good sign. When you hear the grace of God, you want to know more, right? And we'll talk about that more next week. But here's the other thing. It says that they encouraged them to continue in the grace of God. Now, in order to continue in something, you have to have first started it, right? They had to have already received the grace of God if they were to continue in it, which can only come through faith in Jesus, John 1, 16 through 17 tells us, for from his fullness, that talking about Jesus, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Again, I prayed it earlier, but if you're new to Christianity, if you don't understand this word grace, we don't always use grace in our present day language a lot, but the idea is that God has shown favor toward you. He wasn't able to do that before your faith in Jesus because you were a sinner. And as I pointed out last week, even if there's just a little bit of sin in your life, but we have lots of it, but even if there's just a little, him being perfectly just and righteous, he has to deal with it. He can't just sweep it under the rug. He can't be in the presence of evil. And we're all evil. We're all born with that nature to do wrong. So because we couldn't help ourselves, He sent his son to deal with that for us. And through faith in what Jesus did, instead of receiving God's wrath and judgment, which is what your sin deserves, since Jesus took that on himself, now God says, guess what you get? My favor, my grace. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't do anything to merit it, but I love you. And I'm just going to show you favor. From this point on, actually, grace upon grace, the idea is that Every instance God's like every instance of God's favor in your life, if it never ends because there's another one coming. It's just continual favor of God on you in your life for all eternity. All right? That's what you've inherited. You might say, well, I don't feel like that. There's hard things that I'm going through in this life. Yes, in this life you will go through hard things. Jesus said that. that's not God's fault. It's a result of sin. And as we see this world get more and more corrupted by sin, that's why you see all these uncomfortable things around you, the things that we don't like. It's easier to let go of this world knowing that we're only here for a short time. Our home is in heaven with the Lord where it will be sheer perfection, all right? But his promise is that even if we aren't seeing his favor in the hard things we're going, it's there. He's not letting it be wasted. He's using it for your good. And one day you will see that. And often for those of us that have been following Jesus for a while, we, we even see that now and things that we didn't see were good at the time, but we look back and go like, I see what the Lord was doing. I see his favor in it. I see how he protected me. I see how he got me through it. But that's your inheritance as a child of God. God's favor forever. Okay? That's a big deal. And these guys must have received that. But here's the thing that we don't want to just kind of gloss over and not acknowledge. Look at what Paul and Barnabas encouraged them to do. Of all things, these new believers, what do they encourage them to do? Continue in the grace of God. You see, continuing in the grace of God is just as important as understanding that you were saved by the grace of God, all right? Because even though we're saved by grace, We can have this tendency to always gravitate back towards the law or trying to do good things to maintain that grace or maintain God's favor. Oh, I know I was saved by grace, but I got to be a good Christian for God to be happy with me. And if I'm not, he's not going to be happy with me. And that's not what scripture teaches. Even sometimes that can result in us looking at our acts of righteousness and somehow thinking that, oh, I'm. I'm a real Christian. I'm super holy because you know what? I follow all these things. I follow the law to a T. And inevitably what that causes us to do is look at other brothers and sisters and think they're, they're not as good of a Christian as I am. You see the believers in this church where Paul's giving this warning in Acts 13 where he's saying, you know, this exhortation, continue in the grace of God. These very believers struggle with it later on right i mean they were warned of it because he knew this would be a struggle and they end up inevitably struggling with it in the book of galatians because they believe these guys that come along and say oh that's great you believe in jesus but if you want to be super holy you need to follow the law you need to be circumcised and they just okay and paul's like how have you fallen from this grace you were saved out of the law. You were saved out of trying to earn your way to God, this thing that you knew you couldn't do, and now you're going back to it. Don't do that. we got to be careful if we find ourselves making the statement, I'm a good follower of Jesus, or I'm a good Christian because I do fill-in-the-blank, whatever it might be. Or if we have some sort of spirit of criticalness instead of a spirit of love when looking at other people, and go like, well, at least I'm not like that. I mean, even when we say things like, you know, th- they can be rooted in this. And I'm not saying there isn't a platform for speaking truth. We, 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 we can speak truth and love and care for other people. But if our attitude is, I am more right in my Christianity because I don't worship like them. Or I don't do that. Or a lot of I'm seeing on the internet right now, like, well, a real Christian would be vaccinated or would wear a mask or would not wear a mask or would not be vaccinated. If If you are insinuating that somehow you are more right with God because of some action you've taken, then that is a red flag that you do not understand grace. And the essential doctrine, something we can't disagree on, on that you are justified by grace and grace alone. You were justified of your sin or you were made just as if you had no sin by everything Jesus did for you and nothing you did yourself. And that never changes. Even when you're saved, you were saved by grace and you are saved by grace right now. And I can be just as guilty of it. I have to repent of this. Sometimes I can, especially in the last two years, I can look at other pastors, I can look at other churches and go like, oh, we're we're real Christians here because we're doing what the word says. And again, it's not that it's not okay to stand up for truth if you see something in error. But whenever we're pointing out truth to people, it should always be for their betterment. It's out of love. If it's with this idea of like, I'm better than they are, then I'm going away from the definition of grace. And here's the thing. The reason that's bad it's because that leads to you being miserable because nobody can live according to the law. There is nothing, all right, nothing that we have ever done or that we could ever do to earn God's favor. Isaiah 64, six makes this clear to us because it tells us of our sinful condition before we were saved. It says, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds They are nothing but filthy rags. Basically, the best things you can conjure up in your own power are filthy in God's eyes, all right? We can't do anything good apart from him because we're all born with this nature to do what's wrong and evil. And even the things that, you know, we look at people that aren't saying like, well, those look like good deeds. Or maybe you're sitting here and now why do good things? They're steeped in the wrong motives, though. Because with God God, changing your heart, here's inevitably why we're doing those good things. Either to be seen by others and thought that think that we're good. Or to try to like, you know, basically make ourselves feel good. Oh, I'm a good person because I do this. That's selfish. Or maybe because we even acknowledge like I have done some bad things. So I'm trying to make up for those bad things. Again, it's a selfish motive. It's only God who can give you the right heart and the right motives to do his good will in your life. Philippians 2 13 says this for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You can't do good things to be saved. You can't do good things to stay saved. You do good things because you are saved. Alright? That's what the Bible teaches. It's God working those good things in you and then empowering you to do them. And guess who deserves all the credit for the good things that are being done in and through you? It's God and God alone. I don't pat, I I, I should not be patting myself on the back. If I do, I'm wrong. He gets the glory for it. And it's important to understand this because trying to live by the law, which is what trying to do good things to be right with God is, again, will always lead to failure and lead failure to you being miserable, just like these religious people that are rejecting the grace of God in this. They're angry and they're bitter and they're miserable. We can try to live up to some standard of religion and you might even be successful for a season. But since nobody can live according to the law, inevitably you're going to break your own rule eventually. And here's what's going to happen when that happens, all right? The enemy's going to come and he's going to condemn you and he's going to say, you're not even worthy to be a follower of Jesus. You had these rules and you couldn't even keep them. You're not worthy to be with these other brothers and sisters. You need to just leave church. And it's going to push you away from God. The exact opposite place you need to be. The worst place you can be where you're most susceptible for the enemy. When you understand that the love God has shown you. When the favor that he has shown you is completely not dependent on what you do or what you don't do. But completely dependent dependent on what jesus has already done that is the best place you could ever be and i'm going to give you four reasons why number one because it's going to help you view each other correctly you're going to realize you're all as wretched as you could ever be apart from jesus and we're all as righteous as we could ever be in jesus so there ain't nothing to look at each other there's no logs there's no splinters there's no nothing to look at you're just thankful that you've been made right with God. You're thankful your brother's sister's right with God. If you see sin in their life, you're just like, man, you're right with God. You're, you're you're a voice of encouragement. You're a voice of love. You're like, he saved you out of this. Don't keep living in this. It's not with this, you know, pharisaical idea of like, well, if you were a real Christian, you wouldn't do this. Because I don't do that. No. So that's the first thing. It helps you experience sin your church family correctly love each other correctly second thing it creates a lot of stability in your life in your relationship with god your relationship with god should be stable not this up and down thing and what happens is when we are basing our righteousness in god's eyes based off of what we do and don't do when you're doing well I'm good with god when you're not doing well oh he's mad at me I'm not good so when you're good with him you're drawing near and when you're not good you're you're going away that's not what god wants See, when you understand that he loves you, you know, no matter what, that if I preach a bad sermon today, guess what? God still loves me. If I fall short in being a husband or a spouse or I lose it on a friend, even though I, you know, regret it and I, I shouldn't, you know, God still loves me. Then instead of going away from him, it pushes you to him because you acknowledge he's your place. He, he loves you no matter what, which you can find that in this world. But also he's, he's your place of refuge. He's like, I know he loves me and I know he wants to help me with this and I need his help with this. It pushes you right to him, a stable, connected, abiding relationship. Third thing it does, it makes the enemy uh, powerless to condemn you because when you already realize that it's not based off what you do or don't do, when the enemy comes to you saying, oh, you're a loser because you just dropped the ball yesterday and you did this. I am. You're right. But you know what? Jesus saved me from that. He paid the price for that, and He doesn't look at me that way. He looks at me. He looks at me as right as I ever could be. Yeah. And I'm not listening to that. I'm going to God, and He's going to help me with it. And He's going to He's going to give me that victory He's promised me. And then, last but not least, it will lead to peace in your life, like I shared in my testimony. If you're constantly trying to find some sort of contentment in your righteousness, whether it's looking to other people to impress them or you know meet their expectations it's going to be this endless tiring cycle that you're never ever going to find what you're looking for if i'm trying to earn my way to god with good things i'm never going to be able to do it when i know that i've already kind of reached as high as i could ever reach i could be that i'm as right as i could ever be through faith in jesus there's nothing to attain. There's nothing to strive for. I'm there. I'm as close to God as I can ever be. And I can just rest in that. Amen? So here's the thing, guys. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, For our sake, for my sake, God, or he, made him, that being Jesus, God made his son, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God for your sake. Because John 3.16 says he loved you so dearly. He made his son take upon this our sin, yours and my sin. He who knew no sin, he didn't sin. He lived a perfect life. That's what allowed him to be the sacrifice for all of our sins. But he took our sins, put it on him on that cross. And Jesus willingly died knowing that that you would have the opportunity to be set free of your sin, forgiven of it, and completely made right with God through his righteousness, which he gave to you. You gave him sin, he gave you his perfection. And through faith in Jesus, that's the way God sees you right now. No matter if you were arguing with your spouse, trying to get the kids here this morning, no matter if you lost it this week while homeschooling, no matter if you got mad at a co-worker and just said something you shouldn't through your faith in jesus you are as right with him as you could ever be he's not mad at you he hasn't given up on you he's not impatient with you he loves you and that should make you want to draw even closer to him and live in that righteousness that He is here to help you do that he already sees you in amen there was a passage i read a couple weeks ago no it was last week In Revelation 19, when it talks about what it's going to be like when we're with Jesus again, called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, because it's going to be a big celebration for all eternity. And it says, It was granted to her, this would be us, the Bride of Christ, to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. That righteous deeds comes through Jesus Christ. All right? That white linen other places of the bible it refers to as the we're robed in the righteousness of christ when god sees you he sees his son and it is so important guys that we leave here knowing that that you could not be any prettier any more beautiful any more better dressed than you are in jesus christ and so the answer is if you're coming here today and you're feeling like you're striving to be good for God. You're striving to be good for others. You're striving to find some approval. And you're weary. And you're tired. And you're discouraged. The answer is stop dressing yourself. Stop trying to. But go to God and let Him dress you. All right? It's that simple. But it's got to be an act on your part to do that. You've got to acknowledge, man, this is the place I met, Lord you're right. I know what your word says, but I'm striving. I'm trying to work my way to you. I'm trying to do things. I'm checking the boxes. And I know that these things are good for me, but I'm looking at them completely the wrong way. I don't want to be doing things to try to get my way to you and experience this approval I I want so bad. I want to do things as a result of knowing you and knowing that you love me no matter what, and that you've Save me, and you're here to help me with these things so that I get to experience even more of you in my life. So, what we're going to do first is we're just going to have a response time where the worship team is going to lead us in another song. But I'm going to encourage you guys to do something out of your comfort zone because I believe it's what the Lord's asking us to do today. And that is in humility to just come before him, just come before his altar. If that's you, if you're in that place of weariness, of tiredness, if this is resonating with you, yeah, I'm just i not continuing in the grace of God. I don't feel like I'm right with God. I feel like I'm dropping the ball. I feel like he's disappointed with me. I feel like I have to do things to make him happy. Then just come up before his altar here stand kneel whatever you want to do but in humility just come before the lord and acknowledge that in in in, with this heart of like lord i just want to enjoy the grace i want to enjoy the fact that you love me i want to enjoy that i'm in your favor and there's nothing i can do to change that just between you and god but i've said this before it often takes me being humble and kind of doing something in front of my brothers and sisters. The Bible actually talks about healing coming when you're confessing your sins between your brothers and sisters, when we're honest with our brothers and sisters, which we can be, because there's no shame in this place. If you came in here thinking you're totally perfect in your own works, then you're you're wrong. We're perfect in the blood of Christ, but we're all works in progress, amen? And we all have stuff. Actually, somebody was encouraging or Saying something that was encouraging me last week when we had a response time, and we just kind of asked people, or a couple of weeks ago, you know, if they were in a, a tough place, if they were dealing with something hard, and just to raise their hand, and and they saw all these people's hands go up, and they're like, man, all these people are struggling with things, so it's okay that I'm struggling. That's encouraging to us, knowing we're not the only ones struggling. And often, what you see is as soon as that one person takes that that step of faith, and like, that's for me. I'm coming up. I'm praying. I'm getting prayer, then guess what? Everyone else starts coming because they don't want to be the first. don't worry about being the first. Just do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. If God is saying that's for you, you need to respond because I want to I want you to leave here, continuing in my grace, then that's between you and the Lord, and you just listen and obey. so we're going to have a response time right now for that, and then after that we'll we'll do communion. Because that's remembering the grace God has shown us. Amen? So let's just come before the Lord right now and let him minister us however he needs to. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you so much for the grace you have bestowed upon us, as your word says. Lord, that we can 100% without any doubt be here right now before you. For those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we know we are right with you because it was never about anything we did or didn't do. It still isn't about that. It's all about what you've really done for us. And we rejoice in that fact because I know, Lord, that I I would be in such trouble if it was based on me at all. I mean, daily I would be, but it never was and it never will be. So I'm so thankful that you and you alone saved me, Lord. And I praise you for that. And I don't want to just know that in my head. I want to live that every day of my life. I don't want to listen to the accusations of the enemy or I want to combat them with the truth of your word. I don't want to look for some sort of approval from anyone else when I have the approval of approvals from the God most high. At the end of the day, even if no one else approves of me, you do and that's all that matters. And I pray that that, that's a word for someone, Lord, that's struggling right now with trying to find approval in other people, that they're free from that because they have your approval, your unconditional love. And that's where they need to be looking so they don't feel the way they are, so they're not discouraged, so they don't feel unappreciated. Lord, you appreciate them. You love them. I pray in this time, in, in this song, that you would just, minister to your people and i pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their lord and savior that is trying to work their way into being good or trying to work their way into your good graces or trying to work their way into some sort of approval from people they'll never get that today would be the day they receive your grace upon grace through the faith in your son in jesus name amen